Welcome into the garden, David Peterson. Good afternoon to you. Hello, Dave, and good afternoon, everyone. And for all those that do call through, David, they go into the draw to win a wonderful gift pack. Special today, very special today. Tell us about it. Okay, then. Every year, of course, getting close to Mother's Day, yes, I do bring in a chrysanthemum to give to one of our lucky mothers today. This one I brought in today is a yellow one. Now, I know the old tradition is the white chrysanthemums, but look, there are so many other different colours that are available now uh, through the garden centres. And this is a truly a very, very bright yellow chrysanthemum. It looks lovely. There's lots and lots of buds still to come out on it. So that's the plant I'm giving away today, as well as that I'm giving away a box of the Debco plant food. Now, this is the all-purpose soluble plant food, which, of course, we can still continue to use all the way through the winter months. Never stop giving out plants liquid fertilizer throughout the season because it just gives them that little bit of extra boost as well as that i'm giving away a box uh, sorry a container of the aqua magic which is of course the water storing crystals which of course yes we still need to use throughout the winter as well and as well as that i've got some sachets of just liquid fertilizer in there as well dave it's a great gift pack and to get that you need to give us a call 49216216 go to the phones now and we'll come back with your call after this at 2 in your rfm 103.7 let's go to the phones right now He's one of our favourites. He's from Barnsley. It's Max. <laughs> Hello, Max. Hello, David. A uh, couple of little problems. When's the uh, right time to cut back my mango tree? Okay. Well, you, in your area, you need to leave it throughout the winter months because it's under enough stress during winter as it is with the cold weather. So right. when you start to see new growth appear, Max, that's the yep. time to give it a prune back because you know for sure it's on the move, ready to start growing for the season. So that's when you cut it back. Now, there is only one fault in that. When you cut it back during that time of the year, of course, you will lose the fruit for probably that season because it normally flowers in spring as well. And you're not going to get the regrowth and the flowering in time for it to fruit. So as long as you're prepared for that, that you will actually <laughs> you will miss one season of cropping, if you really need to prune it back, well, that's the time to do it. But look, if the tree's looking good and it's, uh, it's fruiting successfully and it's no problem the size it is, I would just let it continue to grow. Actually, it, it was covered with fruit, but I didn't get one uh, mango off it. It was this black, fungusy sort of thing. Oh, okay, yes, yes, okay. Uh, and I did it with uh, mango Z regularly, but yes. it didn't work. Okay. Uh, so that will be a decision that you've got to make between now and spring whether you want to cut it back or not. I don't think I will. <laughs> and the, other, the other one was uh, a garden bed that I have, a, veg, a veggie bed, and I'm getting a lot of these white grubs about as thick as your little finger mm. and curl one, yeah. you know? Is there anything I can spray the ground with? Well, there certainly is. Look, certainly um, curl grub is a very, very common thing uh, in the yeah. garden. Um, y- look, certainly coming into winter, they don't normally do a great deal of damage because it's getting cold, the ground's cold, so they go into their sleep mode. But you can control them. The two products that can be used is either the Confidor or the product called Conca, which is the house brand name of the Confidor. So either one of those, you can mix up according to directions and just water that over the ground, and that will get rid of them for you. Very good. Thank you, David. You're welcome, Max. Have a good day. Thank you. How Bye-bye. Good is that? Max laughed. He lost me after he was talking about mango. Mangoes are so nice. They hey? are. I know. Beautiful. Did he say anything else after mango? I think he... <laughs> He did, didn't he? Veggies, veggies, yeah, something. You heard that as well, Dave. You still had me at the mango. You mangoes. were still daydreaming about mangoes. Oh, hang on. 
I'm off again. There I go. I'm off again on me. Let's continue with calls. We're going to East Maitland. Hello, Julia. Hi, David. How are you? Very good, thank you. What can I do for you? I have a number of questions. Do you? Oh, dear. Sorry, I've got feedback from my radio. My husband's listening to me in the car. Um, yeah, basically, um, first of all, I've got some lovely calla lilies that are um, blooming beautifully, and I looked at them the other day and thought, do I want to cut them back or not? Now or later? Later. Okay, later. I'm going, going to make these questions very short and sweet. Later because <laughs> uh, normally during the winter time they do start to look a little bit untidy, so once they start to look untidy, that's when you can prune them back. So leave it for another month or so. Oh, at least, yes. Okay, lovely. Now, number two, very quickly, I bought a lovely little cyclamen not long ago and it wasn't flowering and it's still not. I've fertilised it with some liquid fertiliser. Anything else I can do? I'm putting it out of a night time, um, but anything else I can do to, to make it flower? No, that's all you need to do, just liquid fertiliser and, yes, put them out in the cold of a night time because that's what they appreciate. They don't like warm spots, so the colder the conditions, the better for them and that will certainly generally force them into flower. Oh, lovely. And I think there was one more, but I've forgotten. Oh, no, I, I, I just heard the tail end of the competition to win all the lovely prizes, and that's why I rang. Oh, okay, right. I think, well, you're in the draw now, yes. Excellent. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Julia. I think that'll be it. Thanks, right. David. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. 49216216 if you'd like to call us. Now, Lorraine, Madawi, was it a bit cool this morning? Have you got a frost yet? Yes, it is a bit windy out at Madawi, David. <laughs> <laughs> what can I do for you today? Um, David, I have about a two and a half metre red wine magnolia, the very small high perfumed one. Portwine magnolia, yes. Yeah, yes. and it doesn't lose its leaves, That's but it is now because it's dying. Okay. And I, it, I don't know why. All right. Now, there's two things that often affect the portwine magnolia. First of all, the first one is scale. Now, if you look at the plant really carefully at the stems of the, the, the plant, as well as the leaves on the backs of the leaves, you may find little flecks, like little pencil flecks, but they'd be white. Yes. If that's the case, it's got scale. Yes, and, and it's need... also got a fungus, like a mushroom, you know, that green fungus on it? On the stems? Yes. Okay, that's just an algae. That necessarily doesn't create any problems to the plant, but certainly if they've got the little flecks on the leaves and the stems, you need to spray those with a product called anti-scale, and you need to repeat that again in 14 days' time. Now, if it doesn't have the flex, the algae, which I've mentioned, doesn't normally affect the plant, but yeah. certainly it could be a fungal disease in the root system. Now, if this is the case, often probably it's a, it's a good idea to do this as a precaution. Yeah. Just any of your fungicide sprays, make sure you mix those up according to directions and then just water that into the ground. But at the same time, you can actually pour it over the stems where this green algae is as well, and it should get rid of that at the same time. Can you recommend me a good fungal? Certainly. Mancazeb is the one that I would recommend to you. How do I spell that? Mancazeb is spelled M-A-N-C-O-Z-E-B. Z-E-B. Yes. Okay. Um, so having a white-haired man come and do some spraying wouldn't have affected it? Well, depends. I mean, if it's uh, because I don't know the products that these people use anymore, and if sometimes if there's drift from the spraying that they've used onto the plant, particularly if it's fairly concentrated, it can actually burn the plant, and yes, that would cause the leaves to fall very easily. If that is the case, you'll probably find it will reshoot away and regain its foliage again anyway. 
Even though there's dead branches that I'm cutting out of it? Yes, well, see, that, that, uh, that seems to me that it is actually a fungal disease which is happening from the root system, so I would get in fairly quickly with that fungicide spray I've recommended to okay, you. Okay, spray the root system. Now, water the root system. You must water this product down into the root system rather than spraying it on. Okay. You can, shall... you can spray the other one if you've got the scale, but certainly not the mancozeb. You've got to get it down into the soil. Okay, that's fine. All Thank right. you so very much. You're welcome, Lorraine. Thank you. We're Bye. going to take a short break and we'll come back with more calls soon. 22 past 12, Gardening Talk Back with David Peterson on 2NURFM. It's Gardening Talk Back, 49216216, on the phone with Sue joining us now from Charlestown. Hello, Sue. Hello, David. How are you? Very well, thank you. Just a quick question about a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think the pumpkin seeded itself from our um, just digging things through the garden. It actually has a skin like a kent, but it's actually got a bit of a shape like a butternut. Right. Is that normal? Well, it is normal if the seeds have cross-pollinated or the bees have cross-pollinated them with something. We quite often get different varieties, particularly with pumpkins and even uh, sometimes with cucumbers. You often get different varieties of cucumbers because the bees have actually pollinated different things and the pollens come across from somewhere else. So, no, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise you. And when do I pick? I've never grown pumpkins okay. before, so when do I pick them? The pumpkins will detach themselves from the plant when they're ready, so therefore oh, okay. you just leave them and then once, I'm surprised it's not ready, now because the pumpkins will start to actually stop growing now that it's getting very cold okay. and then you'll probably find it will start to die away so if Mine's it starts dying a bit way a bit now okay yeah. well if it's starting to die away just watch your pumpkin very very carefully and hopefully it will detach and hopefully it is mature inside okay then thanks david you're welcome sue okay bye-bye Bye. and we've got elise with us now from camwell hello elise hello david how are you well thank you um, David, I have just pulled about half a dozen small, dense shrubs out of a front garden that's up against a brick wall, mm-hmm. and I want to replace the garden with white iceberg roses. Yes. And I need to know, my soil's looking very powdery. What should I feed the soil with before I plant roses after these shrubs have been in for about 12 years that I've just pulled out? Well, normally what I would suggest in that situation, as long as you can dig the ground over and it's not heavy clay sort of soil, which I assume it probably wouldn't be now, uh, you'll just need to add a really, really good compost to the garden. So a good thick layer of compost over the garden. You can actually just buy that in bags. Bags, yep. or else a good thick layer of car manure. Probably compost would be better because it may have some water storing granules in it as well, which is going to help retain the moisture even further. Right. What I would also suggest that you add, particularly when the water is being repelled by the soil, is I would actually add some saturate to the area. Oh, okay. Now, saturate is actually a product which is not a chemical. It's actually a natural product, which basically opens the pores of the ground and allows the moisture to go down. So you would actually apply this all together and just dig it all through the soil and then it would really really act very very well before you add the roses probably two or three weeks prior to the roses i would lime the garden lime it. just with some ordinary garden lime and also put a good organic complete fertilizer through it something like a pelleted manure and just mix that through the soil and that would be a beautiful soil to put your roses into then lovely would i need to put any um um, compost around the bottom of the roses at this time of the year? Not at all, like no. banana mulch or nothing like that? No, not no. at all. Once you've planted the roses, you could then mulch the garden in some sugar cane, but certainly even when you're planting, you wouldn't need to add more compost to the bottom of the hole. It's a very old-fashioned method of doing that, whereas now you're mixing it through the soil, so it's blended Excellent. through the soil. 
That's great. Thank you very much, David. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's 49216216. If you'd like to be part of Gardening Talk Back, we're here until 1.30, and we've got Trish joining us now from Head and Greeter. Hello, Chris. Trish. Hi, David. Trish. Trish. Hello, Trish. <laughs> no um, What I, I'm hoping that you'll be able to help us, uh, my husband and I bought an ice cream bean plant. Oh, yes, and yes. What we, put it, we got told that you could put it in a pot, mm-hmm. so we did. And what happens is sometimes it'll get come up with the leaves and then they'll die off and then it's just a stick and then it'll sprout leaves again and then the leaves just die off. Mm-hmm. Am I doing something wrong? You're not, no, you're not doing anything wrong. First of all, I mean, it congers up so many visions when you mention this ice cream bean because I'm quite sure people out there are thinking that it's going to taste like ice cream. But it's, it's actually a, a type of... Um, bean that will sort of tastes like ice cream, I suppose. But look, it's a tropical thing, so therefore that's why you're getting leaves dropping off at certain times during the year, particularly during the winter months where it would suffer and it would normally lose its foliage during the winter months and then it would regain them again during the summertime, the spring-summer months. Normally with ice cream beans, we normally would plant them out in the garden because for a pot they would become far too large because they are a reasonable size plant once they do grow. And then of course they do get these ice cream beans that just hang, just like a normal bean, but very long and um, fat uh, that hang from the tree. So I would normally suggest to put it out into the ground. But yes, as far as the leaf drop, that is quite natural for that to be doing that. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you, Trish. 49216216, Gardening Talkback at 2NURFM 103.7. It's also dropped a lot of leaves. I've cut it back, but it just doesn't look like it wants to do anything. It has flowered before, but Joy. Oh yes, I've had it for years, and and it's uh, most times it's covered with quite large heads. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, I can't get anything. Okay. Just remembering with geraniums, of course, they like it dry and they like it very hot, and we've had a lot of rain of late, and that. Of oh, course... we haven't. Oh, you haven't had rain. No, okay. we haven't had any rain. We need it. Okay. <laughs> so normally, the, as I said, the only other thing is that it requires fairly hot, dry conditions. So, I mean, if, if it's not getting that, which obviously it has because it's flowered before, the only thing I can suggest to you is there's actually a liquid potash available through garden centres, and basically right. you, it's, a, it's a thing that will produce flowers. It will help produce the flowers. So once again, it's a liquid potash. You just dilute with water, and then you water it over the soil area around the geranium every couple of weeks. And that's actually stimulates the plant to produce flowers. So you may like to try that just in case that's possibly missing from around the soil or in the soil around the geranium. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I'll give that a try. I've also transferred last or over a year ago, I transferred the small versions of agapanthus, mm-hmm. not the big, not the big tall ones, the smaller version. I haven't had a flower there yet. Right. Is it possible they, they've taken a long while to, to get used to their new spot? Not normally. Once again, with agapanthus, they don't normally require a lot of attention, just like geraniums don't. But certainly the same may apply. I, th- I think if you just use the liquid potash around that to try and just give them that little bit of extra push, and that may push them into flower for you. Okay. I'll try that. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. And our next call is at Redhead. It's June. Hello, June. Hello, David. Um, just a quick call. Um, Bindi oak. Yes. I'm, I've noticed that they're starting to grow quite a lot in my lawns. And that should I, can I um, go and um, get rid of them now, kill them now, or 
should I have to wait or something? Well, look, look, certainly we can still spray our herbicides, our selective herbicides throughout the autumn months. Just bearing in mind when we do, it's going to be much slower because basically a lot of these products work on the temperature, the, the, you know, the air temperature mm-hmm. and the sunny days. So as long as you pick a nice sunny day and spray it so that it can actually dry on the grass or on the weed and, you know, we've got three consecutive days of good sun, that's enough for it to get in and start working. But, yeah, it, it all gauges around sunny days and warm days and that's when you're going to find these products work. If we get very overcast days and very cold days, it won't work very fast. So instead of taking a couple of weeks to perhaps um, kill the weed, it may take sometimes four or five weeks to actually kill it. But, yeah, certainly you can spot spray at this time of the year, but certainly I wouldn't suggest to overall spray the entire lawn at this time of the year. Okay, then. And also, what is the latest I can... um put in um, uh, red onions? Well, look, certainly with onions, they are available nearly 12 months of the year now, but, of course, the old-fashioned way is by putting them in during the autumn months, so as long as you get them in during autumn, that is the most popular time for planting onions. Okay. All right, then. Thank you, David. You're welcome, June. Bye, then. Bye. 4921616 is the number. David's with us now from Moritar. Hello, David. Hello. How are we? All right? Good, thank you. That's good. Just a quick uh, call, David. Um, um Tea leaves, is that, uh, put that on the garden? Any all types of uh, plants, mainly uh, native plants, there's no problem with uh, tea leaves on the garden, is there? Look, there's certainly no problem putting tea leaves on the garden. Of course, once again, tea leaves are often put behind stags and elks because Mm. they were really good for that purpose. I have heard that by putting tea leaves on the ground, it is quite um, good to do that because it opens the ground and, of course, they would have some form of feeding element in the tea leaves as well. So there's nothing that I know of that you cannot use the tea leaves on. Nothing adverse. It's just mainly... um Mainly native sort of stuff. Yeah, well, just make sure you're not putting them in the same spot day after day, particularly if you're a fairly strong tea drinker. As long as you just move them around the garden, that's fine, and scatter them rather than popping them in a heap. We do that. Very good. Thanks very much. Thanks, David. No, that's my pleasure, David. It's Gardening Talk back right through until 1.30. is the phone number if you'd like to give us a call. We'd love to hear from you at 2NURFM 103.7. Newcastle and Hutter Valleys, 2 and URFM 103.7. Gardening Talk back, 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call, just as Alan has done. Hello, Alan. Good uh, day, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, could you tell me about this new product, uh, Tres Forte, new product on them? Well, now, I think this was mentioned to me over the weekend, uh, at the nursery, and I, I don't know anything about this product as of yet because I've had no one contact me um, or with, from any of the companies just telling me anything about it. So you will have to keep tuned. I, I believe it was on one of the gardening shows over the weekend. That's correct. Yes. So I have actually got to look into that or wait until I have a rep come in and tell me something about this particular product. Can you just give me that proper name again? Well, uh, try Trez. Forte. Yes. I think it's T-R-E-S-F-O-R-T-E. Yes. All right. Okay, I've written that down just in case I get somebody. So, unfortunately, Alan, as I said, I can't say anything about it. You will just have to keep tuned until I find out something about it. All right, then. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, ten minutes to one, and from Fingal Bay. Hello, Bill. Good day. How are you going? Good, thank you. How are you? I've had questions for David, please. Yes, I'm here. Oh, good on you, David. <laughs> uh, good luck. The, I've got a Tibicina problem in the front, and uh, 
uh, no root, there's a parsnip problem in the back. Okay. So let's start with the tibishina then. Yeah, healthy tree, about two and a half, three metres high and full of, full of uh, leaf. We haven't had more than half a dozen blooms on it. Okay. Sometimes this accounts for when you actually prune the tibishinas. I find this every season. Somebody has pruned them often at the wrong time, so therefore we do get lacking flowers. Now, quite often if we prune our tibishina really heavily in the springtime, we may not get any much in the way of flowers during autumn. So the most important time is to prune the tibishina after it's flowering so we can give it a very, very good hard prune so you get all the growth on the plant before next season. So just be careful not to prune it too close to the flowering time because that will cut a lot of the flower heads off. Yeah, maybe we did. We took it back a good third or more last year. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you exactly what time, but... Uh... It's, as I say, it's healthy enough. Yes. Uh, do you think it will come good or would it just leave it be? Certainly it would look good. It will come good. If this year that it's flowered very little, I would just give it a really light prune just after its flowering period. Right. That will be enough then, and I think you'll probably find it will flower much better next year. Oh, good. Okay, David. Now, the parsnips out the back are two-foot... Uh, up, uh, growth up top, but very, nothing underneath. Okay. Look, uh, we, see, sorry, fingal bay is a very sandy source, so therefore yeah. a lot of the elements leach out of the ground very quickly. Yeah. A very, very old-fashioned fertiliser that a lot of the um, gardeners often used was superphosphate. Now, this is a great product to use, particularly in the way of fertilisers, for when you've got root vegetables like your parsnips, carrots, turnips, all those sorts of things. It's a good idea to mix some of this superphosphate into the ground prior to planting those sorts of things because it's designed basically to give much better uh, fruit production underneath the ground. Okay. Right. Superphosphate, eh? Superphosphate. It's still around. I still carry it. I know for sure. I do that for that particular reason, and it's very good for all of those things types of vegetables. Yeah, we're, we're lucky we're all still around, David. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll give, we'll give it a go, David. Thanks, Thanks Bill. Bye-bye Bye. now. All right, and we're back in just a moment with Brian from Gorakin. And we've got Brian from Gorakin with us now. Hello, Brian. Yeah, hi, David. David, I've got uh, some couple of big uh, clumps of kangaroo paws in the front of my house. Now, I've had them there for a lot of years, and they've, they've done well. They're obviously happy there. But they grow too tall. They go right up to the guttering of the house. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to move them and hopefully not lose them. <laughs> well, look, with kangaroo paws, they can be very temperamental. Look, certainly the only time I would ever suggest to move them would be springtime. Uh, you would leave them go through the winter months now because certainly if you go attempting to split them now, you will not get them to grow because they, they won't have the energy and they won't have the warmth to get them through the winter months. So leave them till spring. Dig your clump up, holus bolus, then you can split it up. But the only thing is you're going to have to cut all those um, those flowers off, first of all, and you may have to cut at least a good half of the growth off from the top of the growth down. That's going to compensate for what you're going to damage in the root system. So once you've uh, splitted all your clumps up, try and cut them fairly carefully if you possibly can, rather than ripping them apart because you will damage them very, very easily. So make them into reasonable size clumps and then you can just plant them back into the ground then wherever you want to plant them. But as I said, leave it until spring, then when you've planted them in the new spot, make sure you treat them with some sea salt. Of course, the sea salt is the one that stimulates the root system back. We just water that 
around them and try and do that at least three or four times at 14-day intervals. And that should actually bring them back to life, but as I said, once we get into spring, that's a better time to do them, Brian. They've been where they are. They've been there for a long time and mm. they've done well, so they're obviously happy. And <laughs> well, certainly if you can duplicate that uh, position somewhere else in the garden, yes, they will continue to be like that. All right. Let's go to Hamilton South and say hello to Margaret. Hello, Margaret. Hello, David. David, I was given a little plant, oh, probably six months ago in a little pot. I don't know what it is, mm. but I've repotted it into a big pot with good potting mix and everything and it's just beautiful i done it it's got um a very like um how can i put it it's a not spiky but that straight sort of a leaf yes on it it's dark green and someone said if i put it in the sun it'll turn the leaves will turn purple right and I had a look the other day and some of them in the middle of the plant has started to turn purple okay but it doesn't get much sun. It only gets a little bit of afternoon sun. Well, look, certainly at this time of the year, Margaret, I'd move it into a position where it's getting a lot of sunlight because that may give you much, much better colour. So do that. See whether it's going to make a change to the plant. If you're particularly wanting to know the name of the plant, I'd have to have a photo or something like that that you can send in to me or bring it into the nursery. Gardening Talkback, 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. And, David, we've got a brand-new month. We do. We've got a brand-new month, so that means that we've got a winner for last month for the voucher for the nursery. And congratulations goes to Steve Stewart of Curry Curry. So, Steve, congratulations. You'll be sent the gift voucher out. Di will be doing that very, very soon, so I hope to see you after that. As well as that, I had a photograph sent to me via the mail by Colleen. Colleen's one of our regular callers. She's from Cessnock. She's just wanting to identify the plant that's in the photograph. And I can, const- I can definitely say, Colleen, it's a yucca. So that's a, a yucca plant. Very, very strong bladed uh, grass that it's got or leaves. And then it comes up with this most beautiful white uh, stemmed flower in the centre, which is consisting of all little flowers attached to it. So, Colleen, it's called a yucca. So there's the housekeeping done, Dave. Now, before we go too yes. much further, those that ring today or go into the draw for a wonderful gift pack. They do, and of course, being so close to Mother's Day, I'm giving away a beautiful chrysanthemum, beautiful clear yellow chrysanthemum today, as well as that I'm giving away a bucket of the Aquamagic. These are the re-wetting granules, as well as the container of the plant food. This is the all-purpose plant food, soluble plant food. Now, John's been waiting very patiently through the local news. Okay. He's from Valentine and he's with us now. Hello, John. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Uh, David, I, I, I um, have a lot of potted plants that now need repotting and I'm just wondering whether I've left it too late in the year to, you know, they get root-bound and basically I want to just trim the roots off and redo the bottom soil. Well, if you're majorly doing something like that, John, I would normally suggest to do it in the springtime because that way we've got the rest of the season for them to bounce back. If you're doing them now, you know, I would only just repot them a step up with a pot and fill in around it with new fresh soil. But if you're wanting to touch the root system, certainly I would leave that until springtime before you do that major repotting. Wonderful. I've stepped up to the point where I can barely lift the pot. So I <laughs> <laughs> a bit like mine at home. They're, they're all becoming that, that stage. I've got to have a, a little um, uh, trolley to wheel them around with That's now because they're just becoming far too big and heavy. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your advice. You're welcome, John. Bye-bye. Let's go to Cessnock now with Colleen. Hello, Colleen. Hello, Maisie. Colleen? 
could have been one of two, but they're not there, or they might have slipped away from the phone. So let's try Chris. Chris is with us now from Curry Curry. Hello, Chris. Hello, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, I've heard this problem answered on the radio before, but I've never taken notice. I've got a very large, healthy, uh, is it Panama passion? Yes. Growing in the backyard, and it's, you know, four <laughs> metres wide and two metres high and covered in flowers, but it keeps dropping the flowers. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what to, the soil's all organic, uh, I've put cow manure and chook manure in it and mulched it well over the last year, uh, but yeah, I just can't keep the flowers to stay on. Well, look, the thing is, this time of the year, this time of the year, the flowers won't stay on because it's getting a little bit too cold for them. The passion fruit will only successfully set their fruit during the warmer conditions. Certainly earlier in the uh, autumn months, it probably may have set fruit, but certainly now because our temperature is getting down below 10 degrees most of the time overnight now, the passion fruit will not hold their flowers. They will automatically fall off. So it's only just due to the cold weather that that's happening. Once we get into the spring, the daylight hours start to lengthen and it starts to warm up again, that's when you'll have it starting to flower again. Okay, should I just let it go or yep. prune it back now? No, no, don't prune it back now, particularly when you're in that area because it can get very, very cold. You will leave it until you start to find growth appearing, new growth appearing. That's when you can prune it back so you get that onslaught of beautiful new growth. Alright, thank you very much. My pleasure. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. It's Gardening Talkback, 49216216. If you'd like to give us a call, we're here until 1.30 today with David Peterson on 2NURFM 103.7. Newcastle and Hunter Valley's 2NURFM 103.7. Gardening Talkback with David Peterson, taking your calls on 49216216. Let's go to the phones right now. I think this is Julia from Tanilba Bay. Hello, Julia. Oh, hello. How are you going? Good, thank you. Good, good. Busy, busy in there today. Yes, very. Yeah. I'd just like a little bit of advice on an azalea. I have a little azalea that's um, just coming into flower. Yes. And I, it does need repotting. Would I? Can I do it now or should I leave it till it's finished flowering? Well, you'd leave it until it finishes flowering because sometimes if you go disturbing it whilst it's coming into flower, all those flowers may fall off so you won't get a flowering at all out of it. So, okay. And I'm sure you don't want that at this time no of the way. year. No um, so, yes, I mean, I would leave it, as I said, until spring and then just repot it then in springtime. That way all the flowers have gone, it's ready to go into its growth and you'll be able to uh, repot it successfully. Okay. Thank you. I'll do that. Thanks, Julia. Thanks for your help. Bye. Bye-bye. And we hope we've got Maisie with us from Cardiff. Hello, Maisie. Hello, Dave. Hang a moment. <laughs> oh, this is Colleen. Uh, how are you, Dave? Good, thank you. That's good. I've got... Um Flower growing day. Yes. I don't know what the name of it is. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you can get them in different colours, but I have the red one. Yes. And it's got a funny sort of a, uh, like a big bump on top of the stem. Right. And it's sort of twisted in different ways. And there's no petals on it. It's just a hard lump. Right. More like, you know, the top of a cassowary's head? Yes, yes. Something like that. Okay, well, that that would be called coxcombs. Uh, it's a it's an annual that you plant seasonally, and you can get them in all different colours. Coxcombs. Coxcombs, yes, because it looks like a coxcomb, like the old. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> so that's what you've got there. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. Bye bye now. Bye. Let's continue with calls right now. We're off to Belmont, and I, I, I think we've got Barry at Belmont. Hello, Barry. How are you today? 
Hello, Barry. Yeah, thank you. How are you, David? Good, thank you. Uh, passion vines, David. Yes. I'm not having any luck with these passion vines. <laughs> anyway, um, in the last spring, I planted uh, a couple of them, but this one in particular, uh, it went really good, and it ran everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had runners on it 10 foot long. And um, anyway, just the, the other day, or about a week or so ago, I was down there, and the leaves on one runner uh, were wilted. Now, I fed the fed the plant with uh, a dynamic lifter and some potash. Mm-hmm. Right? And it didn't seem to, after about a week, it didn't seem to make any difference whatsoever. Okay. Well, I think sometimes when you get withering of just one stem on passion fruit particularly, it, it indicates to me that sometimes there could be a little bit of a fungal disease up in the passion fruit. And sometimes you'll not only just get one stem going like this, it'll eventually go to each stem progressively. So what I would suggest, Barry, that you do is that you get some form of fungicide. That can be something like some mancozeb. You may already yeah. have that. Uh-huh. And mix that according to directions in a watering can and water it around the root system so it actually gets taken up by the root system system and goes through the plant. Now this can often occur particularly during the hot humid months. So it may have been just sitting idle there and then all of a sudden it's just been triggered and that's why it started to happen. So oh. I, I would certainly use the mancozeb around it and then of course make sure you repeat that application again in 14 days just to make sure. Yeah well what I did because it was only the one runner all right. know, but it was about uh, I cut about uh, eight or nine foot of it and what I did was I followed it back down towards the stem where it was green. Mm-hmm. And then I went another couple of inches and I snipped it off. Well, that's good because you've taken the affected area out, but uh, you may not have got rid of it completely. So as a precaution, I still would suggest that you actually water this mancozeb around. It's not going to harm the passion fruit in any way. It's just going to protect it or get rid of that fungal disease yeah. if it's still there. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll do that this afternoon. All right. Thanks, Barry. Thank you very much. Have a Bye-bye good now. Thank okay. you. And we've got Jenny with us now from Cameron Park. Hello, Jenny. Hello. How are you, Good, thank David? you. Oh, that's good. Just a problem we've got with some lily pillies. They run the, right across our back fence line. Mm-hmm. Now, um, half of them have got like a sooty sort of leaves on them, mm-hmm. which we've been trying to treat probably most of this year using Confidor, um, and nothing seems to work. The other part... Up, fantastic, perfect. All right. Now, I was just wondering, because we've tried and tried, is it because where these ones are lined, there's a pool in the yard behind us? Could there be something coming from that pool or when the others are so good? Not at all. The only reason possibly why these have got it and the others haven't is because they may be in a situation where they may be just a little bit more stressed than the really healthy ones. So therefore we've got to try and treat those and feed them up really well so you get the growth back into them. Now first of all the black sooty stuff that's on them won't get cured by with Confidor. You need to use a product called Anti-Scale because I guarantee it will be a scale insect that's on them as well as the sooty mould that you've got as well which work together. 
together. Okay. The main thing, Jenny, is that you've got to give them a light prune before you use this product so that you're taking away a lot of that disease. Gather it all up, put it into a bag and dispose of it into your whisk bin and then spray it to make sure you're trying to get on top of it because we need to try and remove a lot of the disease before we actually start treating the plants. So then spray it with the anti-scale and then repeat that application again in 14 days. Yep. 14 days. Now, what I would also suggest for you to do is to actually feed, uh, you could feed the whole hedge if you wanted to, just with some pelleted manure because that way it'll push some growth into them to get, it, get them through the winter months and then you'll repeat that application of fertiliser again once we get into the spring months. Right. The new growth that is coming on them is green. It's not black, so they are growing. Okay. Um, but it's they're green coming through, but it's just part of the tree that is... Um, got this sooty sort of stuff Well, the thing is, when you've got sooty mould, it will often spread to all the young foliage eventually. So this is why it's wise to just give it a light prune, spray it, and repeat this application again in 14 days. Okay, so anti-scale. That's it. Some of that. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. Bye-bye. Now, Dave, David, just before we go to our next call, mm-hmm. uh, all our mums, hopefully, will be getting flowers on Sunday. Yes. What should we do to get a nice couple of days or a good couple of days life out of them is there any tips you can give you should get more than a couple of days life out of them because all of these chrysanthemums are potted so they're actually um, grown in the soil that they're in so once you've got them home you take the plastic away from them pop them somewhere where it's nice and light inside that will bring all the buds out to their fully formed flower once those flowers finish which could be two three three weeks they will last inside you then put them outside just somewhere where they get in a shady spot under a bush or somewhere like that, and then you cut the flowers off. So you'll often get a little bit of growth coming from the lower down stems. Once you see that, you can then plant them in the ground and they will be ready there for you for next year and they will reflower next year. That's a great tip. Thank you for that. I'm glad I asked that question. (laughs) Very good tip. Let's continue with calls right now. And we're going... Where are we going? Who did we just talk to? We spoke to Jenny. We did. So let's talk to Helen right now. Helen will be joining us from Aberglassland, we hope. Hello, Helen. Oh, hello. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, I've had a problem with some plants in that I had a black, like a, like a, a sooty black seed on the stems of the plant, like a, like a grapevine scale. Right. And I've managed to put some geraniums and other p- plants underneath this plant uh, for, for some extra shelter and sunshine. And this black spot has dropped onto the geranium and it has dropped onto the impatience and I've tried to treat it but without any success. So I've got like a shrub um, that you can use as a hedge um, that has this black spot on it. Um, the leaves of that plant um, have got um, the, the evidence um, that there is a, a bug in the leaf um, and the base of the plant is is black, okay. um, not dead, but mm. almost. I, I didn't quite pick up your previous call, sooty almost. Yeah. So, uh, yep. So it does have that sort of appearance of a sooty appearance. It does, okay. yes. Or right. I thought that when you first started speaking, that it was something that I was actually recommending to the previous caller. But then you went on with other things. But, but I assume the black that's on the plants that are underneath are actually falling from the original plant. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. So that would be sooty mould once again, exactly the same as the previous call. It's got scale as well as sooty uh, mould on the plant. You need yeah. to treat this with a product called anti-scale. Now you'll need to spray this on the plant once, and then you'll need to repeat that application again in 14 days to make sure that you've got rid of that disease. It will actually fall off naturally after you've sprayed it the second time, so don't expect it to disappear straight away. It's a matter of weathering and watering for that eventually to to, to be off the plant altogether. It's Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. And we're taking your calls on 49216216. With us now from Mayfield is Diane. Hello, Diane. Hello. Hello. What can, what can I do for you? Just a quick question. Have you ever heard of um, vinegar um, killing weeds in your past? Diane, I've heard vinegar does 101 things in the garden, and that's one of them. So, yes, certainly you can just um, dribble that on to the weed. Now, the only thing I always give people a precaution by using vinegar is that you don't use too much because, and don't use it in the same spot over and over again because it will actually affect the ground eventually as well. So certainly just one-off, uh, just killing weeds. Yes, that's certainly fine. Okay, thanks. I just wanted to do it in between the cracks of the pile. Yep, that's a great idea, and it's a good natural product as well. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. And we've got Pauline with us now from Mount Hutton. Hello, Pauline. And David. David, I wonder if you can help me. I've got some large pots. Um, When I moved, I emptied them. They had yuccas in them. But um, now I'm facing south. Now, they don't get much um, sun at all, Mm -hmm. so I wanted to replant them, and I'm wondering if I could do camellias in them at all. Excellent choice. That's an excellent choice, because particularly with the Sasanqua camellias, they will take any position whatsoever in the garden. Mm -hmm. They're, of course, the ones that are in flower at the moment. Uh, You could try the japonicas, but I think the Sasanqua camellias would be probably a little bit better than the japonicas. That was my question, yes. And just in normal soil? No, you can actually get you can actually get an azalea potting mixture, so make sure you try and stick with that because that's an acid right. potting mixture. Okay, and one quick question. Um, I have some mandevillas, but there isn't a, they only flower a certain time. Mostly during um, the summer, yes. Yes. Now someone told me there's another um, similar flower called Diplodema, is that it? <laughs> this is where it's very confusing because yes. the, the, there was one, yes, Diplodemias and Mandevillias, but they've put them all all into the same category now, and they're all called mandevillias, but there is a distinct uh, difference in them. The mandevillias have the duller leaf, and the diplodemias have the shiny leaf. And yes, the diplodemias flower much, much more than what the mandevillias ever do. Hmm. Okay, then. Now, let's go to our last call of the day at Aberglassland. We've got Jill with us. Hello, Jill. Hello, David. David, I've got azaleas, and they've got that silvery look about them. Yes. Um, I have some that have had it through since last year, um, but that is you know the new shoots have come through and it looks okay. Well, that's all. I still have to um, spray that underneath pit leaves. You do, you do certainly. Yes, I mean even though you can't see it on the young foliage now, sometimes that red spider will actually be there. So it's probably wise that you do just spray your young foliage as a precaution, just in case. And the only product that's recommended now, a lot of them have been taken from the shelf. The only one that's used now is one that's one that's called insect and mite killer, uh, because it is a mite that's actually the red spider. So that's the one to use. Insect and mite spray it on your azaleas. That will actually stop the disease from going to the young foliage if it's still there. 
And do I have to do under the leaf, David? Preferably as well as on top as well. <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking our call. I know I was late. No, that's quite all right. Thank, Thank you, Jill. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that about beats us for time, so it's been another busy afternoon, David. It has, and I'm going to give this wonderful prize, which consists of this Mother's Day flower, the chrysanthemum, yellow, as well as the bucket of aqua magic and the box of the plant food all-purpose. Now, I'm going to take it right back through, right to the very beginning of the show today. We had Julia called. Don't get confused because there we did have a couple of Julias on the program, but Julia from East Maitland won the prize today, so congratulations, Julia. All you need to do is make your way to Walls End Community Nursery. That's on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program because I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday. Wonderful big effort today. All that's left to say really is Happy Mother's Day for it Sunday. It is Happy Mother's Day to everyone and good gardening to everyone else in the family. That's David Peterson. That's Gardening Talk Back. Back next Monday from midday here at 2NURFM 103.7.